0: Art and Bullshit Podcast. Art, 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 art and Bullshit Podcast. Art and Bullshit Podcast. What's cracking out? Episode 60. You saw me just get out of the whip. I mean, it, I mean, we here. James Drills, your host from the West Coast. Let's get some housekeeping out the way. Shout out to listeners on Apple holding it down. Cats over on Spotify. Hit that follow. Cats over on Apple. Hit that subscribe and drop that five-star review we need them ratings y'all helps us you know battle these algorithms listeners on the web we appreciate you showing up three niggas on google stay six feet apart cover your mouth when you cough keep the hand sanitizer on deck Ladies, keep breaking hearts and breaking pockets. You know, it's really good. Let's get some announcements out the way. We still got books for sale, still got those paintings on the teespring joints. Ran out of the shirts, appreciate the support on that end. We got some paintings. Um, I know you guys are bugging me on the Patreon. Hold tight, that's about to drop in about a week or so. Yeah, man. Last run of announcements check out asp and hand if you guys are looking for some hand blown quality glass from our friends out of Bellingham Washington asp and hand on instagram or hand.com. you know the vibes smoke it if you got it drink it if you got it. you know it's really good also first time listeners we appreciate you guys coming out returning family members you know where the refrigerator's at man we on to the next thing lastly step your art game up have some respect for your shit put a Vatican on that bitch hit up nigel at thebatican.com you know he got the casines he got the cassettes the flemish corners are very sexy the tondos are out of this world the but the dutch ripples man listen is serious we ain't even talked about the tabernacles y'all hit up nigel over at the or on instagram at the Vatican. tell him james sent you all right so let's get to it episode 60 we out here bay area pulled up you guys read the description you know who we got here we got a man major award winner, major plane Air guy. Like, this guy's a pirate a plane mm-hmm. Air. This guy, you might have seen him on the Treckle judges' table telling you your joint wasn't tight. You might have seen him last year on the Treckle judges' table. They'll, they was telling him his joint was tight. You know what I'm saying? Sergio Lopez in the building. What's up, Sergio?
1: <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, my God. <laughs> I need to step my drop game up. You got reverb on your drops. That's that's the next level right there.
0: I can show you better than I can tell you, brother. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Also, oh,
0: host of the Waiting to Dry podcast, that's right? Right? That's yeah.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> so what's been happening, man? Thank you for having us in your beautiful studio.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. Um, just been. Painting a lot, doing. Uh, spent most of the summer just going out painting with my girlfriend. She's getting into plein air, so we've been uh, traveling around a lot, going to a bunch of different local spots near and far. So yeah, it's been fun. Uh, just doing uh, the paint drip stuff, where I've just been doing like daily paintings, trying to sell them for under a hundred bucks. So that's been keeping the the ship afloat around here for the most part. But uh, yeah, just trying to supply. Uh, whatever galleries are still around with whatever they might want from me so yeah uh trying to keep normal still <laughs> now uh,
0: Sergio I gotta hit you with the question because now's the initiation you gotta come through and you will become art MBS alumni after this yeah so we need to know what was your first memory seeing art
1: first memory seeing art um that's a good question it was probably. Some art book that, like, my brothers or someone introduced me to. You know what? Probably one of the first things that I, th- that I knew was like art where those, uh, those Lee J. Ames, like, how to draw horses or how to draw, like, uh, Hanna, Barber- uh, Hanna Barbera mm, cartoons. Okay. I don't know if you remember those. So, you
0: yeah. was getting your shit off of <laughs> Captain Caveman <laughs> yeah. and all them
1: cats, huh? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm yogi bear and all that yeah hey boo boo <laughs> no, exactly
0: right right yogi was getting his joint <laughs> off yeah that's what's up so now does the artistic gene run in your family
1: um i don't know like I, I don't think any of my immediate family ever really got into art other than me like all my brothers uh were artistic in some way like they we all like to draw uh, when we were kids um My youngest brother tried to get into music for a while. Um, My uh, older brother, uh, one of them was really into um, uh, like the local um, B-boying and graffiti scene for a while. So uh, like I always looked up to to what what he was doing as far as like just doing art, like out uh, doing whatever sort of creative things like mm, that. So. so
0: your brothers were creative though, right? Yeah. yeah. They all had like a creative yeah. streak
1: in them for sure.
0: Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys just flipped it in the different, in the different pathways. So yeah. You I'm ever- pretty much
1: the only one that, that actually like took it somewhere. Like, try and make a living from it
0: mm, yeah i can dig it so do you ever like bust out any floor work you ever do like <laughs> a 90 to a flare or anything like that
1: i never got that good i could do back spins hand spins i could windmill for uh, a little while but that's about as all i could do i think i did like one flare (laughs) once a long time ago
0: (laughs) Mm, but that's about
1: my extent I never had the I never had the wrists for it (laughs) really
0: takes a lot upper body strength it really does yeah yeah yeah. so that's (laughs) the one thing about it you know what's interesting is in California the break dancing movement versus like the pop locking movement okay you know because we had I know when I when I was uh in like junior high we had a lot of break dancing but like mm-hmm. Pop and pete was from fresno like so like okay. a lot like pop and pete was like <laughs> one of the first like pop lockers and shit okay. like now was there a big break dancing and pop locking movement in like norcal
1: uh yeah more or less uh it was a lot of, um for some reason it really took hold in like the asian community mm-hmm. and so uh all the all of like the friends that we knew that were into to breaking and, and b-boying and all that were uh, or even djing were all like filipino uh like so- southern asian like um like uh lao cambodian like all the like that whole area around there vietnamese so um yeah we knew a lot of people who were into it and uh it just kind of i don't know what it was like i i guess there was just like some like undercurrent of of Bay area hip hop scene that just kind of uh, went um, along that lane. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess, I don't know if it's still going like maybe like underground now, but for a while, I mean, it was pretty like close as close to mainstream as you can be around here as far as like Bay area yeah yeah. hip hop goes so
0: so now let's let's take it back because we went we we jumped ahead so young sergio young 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 bull in the game young cat with a pencil like you talk about how you how as a child your relationship was with art
1: yeah i was uh pretty much some of my earliest memories was like a pencil in my hand like just drawing on a on like whatever you know those yellow notepads like with the lines just drawing on those and just um either like drawing uh, cartoon characters mm-hmm. like I was saying or um, or even just drawing like um, I had like a huge stuffed animal collection as a little kid so I like that was my creativity was Did like. Did you
0: name them all? Did you have names for all I of them? I had
1: names for all of them. <laughs> mm. Had weird ass names. You're like where's <laughs> Ronnie at? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh I would be upset if any of them got taken. Did away your from
0: brothers me. do things like take the eye off and
1: stuff? <laughs> you know actually they were like for for being like three brothers, they were actually like pretty respectful of my of my uh, property there in that way. So mm. actually, I got kind of lucky in that way.
0: Okay. So <laughs> now going on into high school, were you mm-hmm. were you taking art classes in junior high, high mm-hmm. school the whole time? Talk about that.
1: Yeah. As soon as I was eight, as soon as like that was uh, an option for me, I tried to take all the art classes I could in high school. Like here in Santa Rosa, there's actually this. Um, uh, like this art program, um, art quest. And it's basically, um, like a, uh, like a side program you can take as a high school student all throughout your, um, your schooling there. So, um, I, I didn't go to that school. So I was always jealous of the kids who got to do that kind of thing. Like, uh, Josh's wife, MJ, she did the art quest and all that. So she got started in that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was just, uh, pretty much just, Trying to take all the art classes I could, tried to um, did all the assignments and like my own thing. So like from there, I pretty much knew that um, art was gonna be in my life in some way. I don't think at that point I knew for sure that I was gonna do art full time as a as a career, mm-hmm. but I knew for sure that um, I was gonna be an artist in some way. It's just like too much a part of it of me not to be.
0: Mm, dig <clears throat> it. Okay i smell that so can you talk about some of the let well no let's not get too far ahead All so right. you're 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 going into your high school junior high mm-hmm. you're taking art now what what year give us give us a time stamp on this so then that way we can kind what, what, uh, of oh, what, okay. what time what what frame? like what years yeah uh <laughs>
1: let's see i think i
0: because, Like, what you bumping? Like, give us the music landscape. What, what was you listening <laughs> oh, all to? All
1: right, uh, I pretty much got most of my music, uh, taste from my older brothers, so they introduced me to all the, the underground hip hop that was popular, uh, around that time. So, this is like 94, 95. Mm. So, uh, I think, let's see, I would have been, I think, I was in sixth grade at 94, I think. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I pretty much just started getting into to all that stuff that was around then um started from you know listening to whatever was on the radio then um got into whatever my brothers were listening to so around that time you know that was like uh i don't think they were they gotten into wu-tang yet but that was a big deal when i when i got introduced to that for myself what's your favorite personally. wu-tang album uh the purple tape only built for cuban links okay okay <laughs> That's a but solid yeah pick. yeah but i mean pretty much all all that whole um that like 93 to 97 like pretty much anything right there is a uh, can't miss for for me personally mm-hmm. but uh yeah i mean everything else i was around at that time um one um all the bay area stuff like Hieroglyphics living legends and all that What's too. your favorite
0: Hieroglyphics album?
1: Um what's it called um Third Eye Vision
0: okay okay
1: (laughs) yeah that's that's one of my favorite albums just um just period (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it was that was a really dope project because there was a lot of uh cuts where a lot of them were on there you know yeah exactly that was a song it was like a back and forth cruise song yeah they traded off bars that was pretty good
1: yeah i don't even know if do you like i don't even know if they make music like that anymore like just in general just like groups like I don't oh, know if they yeah. do like
0: you, you don't mess with Griselda records
1: I do um I like them but it's like it's very kind of uh, uh I don't know if I want to call it slow but like it's very um there's like a really evil kind of vibe to it that like gets a little
0: uh our, our,
1: our art and bullshit <laughs> yeah, podcast. this is the bullshit part
0: of the art nah, it's getting spooky out here <laughs> talk about it it's getting spooky
1: like, uh, like I love mob deep and they're kind of like in that kind of vein, that sort of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I do like, uh, a lot of, uh, like songs from, from that crew, but I don't like get too deep into it. Cause mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I find it hard to listen to a lot of their music, um, uh, like in a row, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, it's
0: pretty intense, right?
1: It can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess the older I got, the the less I'm interested in, in like, uh, I don't know what you call it, like drug rap. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, I think that there's, everything has its place, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody can't be Bouguereau, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, so that's the whole thing. Like everybody mm-hmm. can be Beardstock, but there, there are other, there are other things that, uh, there are things that you can appreciate about it, you know? So it's like, for me, I'm coming out to the Bay Mm -hmm. and I need to get my mind right. So what did I bump? I bumped the Andre uh, Nicotine and Mac Dre album, you know? Oh, okay. So I'm just sure. like, I got to get my mind right, you know? So, but then after that I had to go in, I put my the playlist on because I'm like, I'm, I'm hustling with this crack, with this, with this, uh, not with this crack shit, with this podcast shit. <laughs> sure, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, no, for get real, that. man, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> it's lit. I'm just going to pull up and sell you the shit. Right. Like we here. So <laughs> that's for me, I treat it like, The way that they talk about crack is the way I think about. Like I'm, I'm at the easel. Like you're like in the kitchen. I'm at the easel whipping this titanium white up. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm whipping up this this raw umber and this Uh titanium white to get this ah ah. You know what I'm (laughs) saying?
1: uh, uh,
0: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So yeah, man.
1: Yeah, I totally. But then you also get Mozart sometimes, right? Uh, No, I don't really fuck with classical music that often, though. Actually. (laughs) Uh, most of what I listen to in the studio, if it's music, it's um, yeah, just like instrumental hip hop mostly. Um, that or just like whatever album I'm just listening to at the time. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I I totally understand like that that mentality of uh, that mindset. I kind of like um uh, when other people besides like visual artists talk about art mm-hmm. because um for some reason, like hearing the parallels makes it actually um, stick in my brain better than just hearing it like just one-to-one. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like if I hear, um, like for example, like when Joe Budden talks about like the music industry and like talking about um, the way that like artists should handle their, their own like business and self-worth for some reason that sticks to me harder than like hearing an artist talk about right. it. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because these are like <clears throat> principles that transcend the industry that we're in. Right? right. Yeah. So it's like, no matter what sort of creative outlet that you're pursuing, like these basic tenements of like how a creative should be uh valued, yeah. right. Should be addressed across the board. Right. So, all right back to the sergio history <laughs> joint so yeah, we yeah. in high school uh-huh. cutting up talk about the talk about the young savagery of you in high school
1: oh i was a super quiet dude there was no savagery involved in my in my uh upbringing there no i kept to myself for the most part i mean uh i would draw a lot like in class but i'd have to kind of just sneak those drawings in because i was still trying to get a's and b's in school <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, yeah i mean uh it definitely like translated like that whole work ethic translated to um being a good like student in college and all that and like even to this day it's still uh still definitely lessons i learned from from high school and, and just my upbringing from here on it still uh affects me to this day um uh, but yeah, I mean savagery, like in what way? <laughs> what like
0: you, okay, so were you now in high school, were you serious about painting? Had you already <clears throat> at what point had you got introduced to fine art?
1: Um I didn't really paint much until um I was able to actually use the paints that they had in school. Like you know, those little like tubes of cheap acrylic. Uh-huh. Um like they were a little bit better than, you know, like the tempera shit that they gave you in, in um in elementary school but like it's like the next step up like those like michael's arts and crafts type acrylics Mm -hmm. um so uh my teacher in high school um senior year just basically gave me all all the um acrylics that they had in class and just said like go to town with them you could just do whatever you want (laughs) Mm -hmm. they were like yeah we know you're going to art school so yeah just have at it just have fun (laughs) so yeah that that was basically uh the privilege I got from from uh taking art seriously.
0: <laughs> so what was the first thing that you did that let you know like okay, yeah, man, this is I got something here?
1: First thing I did um I I don't know, like in high school or just in general.
0: Like yeah, just in
1: general that I got something. Uh well, I remember a painting in uh, as my like senior project, this weird, like I took, um, uh, like a picture of, a uh, from like national geographic or some science magazine of an octopus mm-hmm. and like created like this, like robot armor on it mm. <laughs> and just did this giant, this painting is probably like, uh, 24 by 24 inches. And it's actually still, um, hanging up in my, uh, in my parents' house <laughs> in the hallway. Uh, and, the. Uh, yeah so mom wanted it mom was like yo let me get that <laughs> i think she was just more like wow that's impressive i guess we should hang this up i don't know like it's definitely not something that she would think was like an uh, interesting subject for a painting right. Like it's like totally not like it's not like flowers and like butterflies, or whatever. Right, like, but was DMT, there like
0: but. a level of craftsmanship and yeah. detail that let her know like, Whoa, my baby is stunting. Uh,
1: probably. Yeah. She, she saw that I was taking it seriously. Like, I think she wanted me to probably, if she had, if she could like wish for my career to be what she wanted, she probably want me to be like a doctor or something and mm-hmm. go to like some, uh, university and all that. So, uh, but at least seeing that meant that she's like, okay, well, if he he's taking art seriously enough for me to like, uh, or for for us as parents to uh, be okay with with you know helping him get through through art school, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, that's probably it.
0: Right. So yeah. uh, what was the so okay? So you flipped the robotic octopus, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now what was? Give us. Uh, like two defining moments in your art career like two moments that were just like because i feel like we all have those
1: uh two defining moments in my art career Mm -hmm. uh probably um let's see in art school when i learned that there were people that were way better than me (laughs) like seeing that like because art school i don't know you didn't go to art school did you I
0: went, like, online for, okay. like, yeah, so no, not really. Okay. <laughs> I didn't go to, like, no real art school, no. All right. But that art class was, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, what happens usually it's like, usually when you get to art school, it's mostly all the kids who are, like, good at art mm-hmm. in their respective uh, schools. So when you get them all together and converge, then you start to see, okay, well, uh, well that kid is pretty good, but like, oh, this dude over here is like he came from wherever whatever he was doing and like he's already on a higher level than, than us over here. So it it uh it starts to actually like you start to actually get to compare like all the good kids from, from high school at art like and you got get to start to see, oh, there's like there's levels to to um, skills, like even just coming from from high school or wherever into college, so then I started to be like, okay, uh, in order for me to get to where I want to get as far as like my, my skills go, I kind of need to see what what everyone, well, the people I'm already looking up to, like fellow students, are doing, and then uh, try and see what their work ethic is, or like who who are they studying, like who are they looking at, like are they looking at like or like you said, or are they just you know copying anime or whatever like like a lot of kids were doing back then when they get i mean i was one of them i was drawing a lot of dragon ball z in high school too so uh yeah it's like out the big brain on brad (laughs) you're a
0: smart motherfucker that's right
1: (laughs) so yeah you start to see like where um uh who's who's serious enough to make it an art career Mm -hmm. Rather than like, because there's a lot of people who drop out of art school, especially if you go to to the Academy of Art in San Francisco, where I went to, Uh um, there's no portfolio to get in. Basically, you just have to like pay the application fee Mm -hmm. and pay the the cost of the class.
0: Yeah, they just take whoever, huh? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And they're like, they're the way they spin is like, well, we're not going to determine for you that. Um, you're not a good enough artist. Uh, we'll let you decide that for yourself if you want to ke- like keep taking classes with us. Like, it's a good school. Like, like there's a lot of good teachers there. But I mean, it's definitely a, a for-profit company. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I, I met a lot of people there who um, who I still um, keep in contact with a, a handful of them on Instagram, seeing what they're up to and all that. But everybody's kind of pat- path path kind of forks out from there but yeah i would say that was like one defining moment um the other one was probably uh so i did concept art for a couple of years um out like um so can you talk out of... about
0: how you got into that and then talk about the story because okay yeah get your shit
1: off <laughs> all right so yeah uh, like
0: our, our, our art and bullshit podcast
1: this is an exclusive right here <laughs> so yeah I was, since i was drawing robot octopus back in uh in high school i kind of had this um inclination to go toward more like sci-fi stuff as a as a young art school student so um, I always liked – I wasn't sure where I was going to go uh, with my art career then. I just knew what I kind of like Like, I was still, like, playing video games and stuff back then a little bit. Um, so – and, like, I was really into – uh, RPGs like Final Fantasy and all that so wait
0: wait hold <laughs> up okay we got what's your favorite Final Fantasy let's talk this shit let's talk this Final Fantasy shit
1: <laughs> Final Fantasy <VI>. 6 <laughs>
0: okay okay so like do you let Mog fall off the thing or do you save him or what you doing like uh, I, you know I, I try to save him okay yeah, yeah <laughs> man cause you know you can only there's like two dances <laughs> yeah, that you yeah. can only get uh-huh. if you uh, save him like once the world flips inside out you can't get those dances no more
1: that's right yeah yeah uh yeah then i save uh shadow as well (laughs) yeah man yeah all right continue (laughs) so yeah uh for a while i thought okay maybe i'll um you know do concept art design like characters and monsters for rpgs Mm. and that still sounds kind of fun for me right now but um uh like that was kind of what i was thinking my path might be but then as you get into art school, you, uh, the whole world of art becomes more um, more in your face. So uh, when I started to to oil paint, I was like, oh, "Okay, this is my shit right here." Like, I knew like as soon as I took my first um, oil painting class, and it was just like a still life painting class. It wasn't exciting at all, but just the the act of painting in oils was was enough for me to be like, "Oh, I I love this." Mm-hmm. So this is gonna be something I was gonna be doing for uh, a long time. But, um, so I had sketchbooks that I filled up with not only just life studies, but, you know, like kind of like little concept art type of things. Like I was on the concept art message boards, like sharing my drawings on there and all that too. And so, um, as I, um, was getting out of, of college, um, I was trying to put my portfolios out there and, uh, nobody was really biting on it for a while until about a year afterwards. Um, I got contacted by somebody who, um, was trying to start up a, a company that was doing, um, they wanted to make like a, a virtual world, like a second life type thing, but like a high definition version of it. Mm. And what they wanted to do is, um, they had the license to Sid Mead's artwork. So they wanted us to um, basically take like a Sid Mead painting and make it into like a 3D world that you could walk around in. Oh, okay. And so uh, I was hired to be a concept artist for, for that. And I wasn't even like specializing in environments or anything like that, but they just, for whatever reason, they saw enough uh, potential in me that they are like, okay, we should uh, snatch this kid up before, you know, some other company does. So, So they brought me on board and I did that for a couple of years. And during that whole time I was, uh, that's when I started to get into plain air painting because I was doing um, environments without like even really knowing what I was doing. So I thought, okay, I need to like learn how the world actually looks and like how to, how to paint it that way. So I went out and just started taking my oil paints out in the field and doing, um, trying to get better at oil painting there. And the, and I was out of school, and so I was missing just drawing and painting from life. Even though it was like figures um, from in school mostly, um, I still needed sort of that like life painting and drawing fix, and it wasn't really getting that anymore. So I would just go out and, and uh, paint all around town here. And so um, that just became a thing that I was doing more just for my own edu- self-education. And the company went under a couple of years after that because of the economy crashing. This was like great recession uh, days. So, Oh, at that point I was like, well, I still love painting, and doing fine art and stuff. So, you know, there's not a better time than now than just like go all in with my fine art career. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was living out in, uh, San Rafael, uh, in, in Marin County and, so I was able to just like come back here to Santa Rosa and just start over again and just uh, build my fine art career from the ground up, and that's pretty much what I've been doing this whole time. Is just like slowly figuring it out, um, just learning basically like you're saying how to hustle, <laughs> and uh, yeah, tough for like a somebody like super introverted like myself to figure out that kind of thing like. Like you seem way more outgoing than I am, for sure.
0: So I've heard. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just just trying to figure out my own way. Slowly going, uh, trying to figure that out. But yeah, those those I would say were the two like biggest like, uh, defining moments for me. Like learning, learning like the work ethic you really need, and then learning like what I really want to do with my art career. Uh, Like I thought about trying to, to get into another concept art job. I I did make the effort, but I knew for sure that wasn't my passion for, I knew um, fine art was, was where I really needed to go. So that's pretty much like, yeah, work ethic and purpose.
0: (laughs) Got you, got you. So now when you were in that whole um, concept art realm Mm -hmm. and you, and you got in there and it was, it like, uh, be careful what you wish for sort of situation like you're in there and you're like, fuck, um,
1: like for me I actually feel like I got a little bit lucky when where I work because it wasn't like a big like I would hear about people who are um in other uh, working at other places like mm-hmm. um what do you call it like electri- or yeah or mm-hmm. well, even uh more so like uh what's the one electronic arts and stuff like that um what's the big one um down like in Redwood City, I forget. Activision.
0: No, that's not it. Where the f- uh, yeah. uh no.
1: but either way, like okay. those big companies, they're like the like the the Sony's of of the video game world type of right. of companies. Uh, but like they're they're a grind. Like they're what I heard. Like you get almost no like creative control over like what you actually get to draw. It's, you're kind of like a hired a hired gun basically. But you're in house, so you're there for long hours, and you're kind of just doing whatever they tell you to do so um what I kind of lucked out in my field that I was able to basically other than like the loose interpretation of what um what the paintings uh, wanted like the Sid Mead paintings like how they wanted (coughs) us to work on them I had a lot of freedom to do whatever I wanted there so I felt like that was like nothing's gonna give me more freedom than this company here and and like I was more or less able to set my own hours there for it too. Even though I was like a full time employee, I could kinda come and go as I like, please as long as I got the work done. And like uh, unless you're a freelancer, you you don't really get the, the freedom of that. And then I tried to freelance a bit, but um by that point like there were people who are a lot more dedicated to, to concept art than I was. Like I could tell like even the other people who were who are working in the company they were way more passionate about like, just the, like the computer side of things, and the, like, even just being fans of like video games and movies and all the sort of like places that concert Bar gets used. So I was like, you know what? I, uh, I'm not even that into this whole world as I thought. Like I just liked the the drawing and painting aspect of it, even digitally. Um, I wasn't that into like, I don't know, um, like the different sort of, uh, fandom of, of these different, com- uh, not companies, but you know, like the different intellectual properties that people were, were, um, making stuff for like, like I know people who are like super into, to comic books and, and, you know, the Marvel universe and all that. And it's cool and all, but like, I'm not necessarily like, like my dream isn't to like Paint an awesome painting of Spider Man, right, or right, right, like and there's nothing
0: wrong with that. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. wrong with that. <clears throat> but um, like,
1: I'd rather like leave that to people who are really into that rather than just try and like fit myself into that because I just know that I wouldn't be happy long term doing that. Yeah.
0: So okay. So. <clears throat> let's talk let's move forward okay so boom you make the shift Mm in the fine art Mm -hmm. and then how long talk about that because like you started like on the plain air talk about like Mm -hmm. when you started like getting into competitions and yeah man
1: yeah um i think the very first um plain air um event that i ever did was just um one that i found Uh, I don't even remember how I even found out about, but it was uh, uh, this little um, event in uh, Mare Island, which is in Vallejo, um, just outside of it. And they were doing like a little plein air competition there. And, you know, it was, there wasn't even that many people doing it. Like there was no, um, there wasn't even like a a jury um, to get in. Like a lot of these competitions you have to kind of get juried into. And so, Oh okay, yeah, 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 probably. Little technical issues behind yeah, the man. scenes here. Yeah, we got some hood <laughs> stuff. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We
0: got new setup, but it's still hood. Y'all know the vibes. <laughs> right. our, 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 our art and bullshit podcast. <laughs> I right, continue.
1: Um. So yeah, it was just just to get my feet wet. As far as all that goes, I was just for one like I wasn't making any money uh like the the checks at the i was still working at the concept art place Mm -hmm. but the checks were really inconsistent because they were just um scrounging wherever to get funding for the company they were just trying to to keep it afloat even though it was a sinking ship so i was like okay where am i gonna get money i was just trying to freelance and i was thinking oh you know i'll try and sell my my uh landscape paintings and um uh unfortunately at that time nobody was buying landscape paintings either everyone was just trying to uh, keep their money in their pocket for, um, however long the recession was going to last. So it was a weird time to start to get into doing the plein air stuff, but I really didn't have any choice. It was just more like, fuck it. Well, if nobody's buying, um, paintings anyway, I'll just paint whatever I want. And I just uh, would go out and do these plein air events for almost for the fun of it. Really? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think a year before that, um, uh, I met this dude on a meetup group and we started uh, a plein air uh, just painting group uh-huh. And that was just basically where it started from I think that's where I found out about plein air competitions were from other people who were who are were, um, meeting up with us and so uh, So it just went from there. I just started um, Trying to build up my little plein air portfolio and um, Get into like bigger and bigger shows and that's more or less how I've been treating, um, that since like, I still do like to go out and apply for, for new plein air competitions and stuff. But for the most part, I got the ones that I like to do, um, every year. And that was just a matter of trial and and error of just finding different, um, opportunities to go do these competitions. And they can be kind of lucrative. Um, you can make a a couple of grand if you if you know how to sell your stuff. So if you string a few of those, enough of those together, you can make a decent amount of, of money from it. So uh, that's kind of what I try to do with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Now listen, that's called motherfucking bars, nigga. You know nothing about that.
1: I just added that one to my soundboard. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So
0: what was the first competition that you had won?
1: First competition I won, uh, was actually, um, was actually a magazine competition. It was, uh, international artist magazine. I, um, it wasn't that I won it, but I mean, I still placed highly in it. I think I got like second place and I was like, okay, once I won that, I was like, all right, people, uh, can see that what I'm doing something, uh, with, with my art here, I can, uh, win awards with it. So, that kind of, um, put me on the track to be like, um, I can make a foot into the, the fine art world. Um, I didn't do a lot of magazine competitions from there because they just add up like, um, the application fees for these to, it costs money just to even be considered, uh, in these competitions. So after a while you learn pretty quickly that you can't just like apply for everything. You'll go broke just doing that. So I was pretty uh, picky about the ones that I would apply to after that. But uh, those early competition wins definitely helped get my name out there for sure. Okay.
0: So now you're, at that point you're gaining momentum mm-hmm. you're you're winning some competitions mm-hmm. you're a professional artist <laughs> yeah. right you you've made yep. the switch you're 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 dialed in yeah. we we full steam in the beam <laughs> when did you figure out like okay I'm going to start doing a podcast like how did that all come about
1: oh uh I met Josh Um, probably at this point, like five years ago or so. Um, I knew MJ, his wife, uh, way before that I met her, um, back. Um, God, this is probably like 12 years ago or something like that. And she was, I think she was just, just out of high school if I remember right. So, um, uh, I met her through mutual friends. She was, uh, friends with, uh, the sister of somebody I went to high school with and uh we connected just because you know she was doing art or she was um yeah trying to to, uh be more serious about her art and then um yeah we just started doing like local shows here and there um i would see her out and about and so she started dating josh or about what was it like probably like six seven years ago at this point and then, um, so he was, um, doing his thing, uh, and we started, um, showing, at uh, galleries in San Francisco around the same time. And then, yeah, we just connected in that way and, we uh, became friends that way. We just ended up having a lot of different things in common, uh, including podcasts. We kind of like to listen to the same sorts of podcasts. And we just talk about like art podcasts, ones we like, ones we didn't like for whatever um, reason. We just kind of just talked a lot of shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it just kind of grew into that. And we didn't really have a plan on doing that until uh, one day, uh, what was it, December 2018, uh, when we were just hanging out in... um, we just had an idea of starting the podcast, which was actually a lot different than, than what it um, turned out to be. Um, Originally it was supposed to be a podcast that we just take one painting and talk about it or one artist and, and talk about it. I mean, it was kind of supposed to be um, the three of us, uh, Josh, MJ and I, and then uh, it just started evolving from there. And it was just one of those things where like one of those things that you, you talk about, but never get to actually doing. But we were just like, you know what? Let's actually try and do this. <laughs> so we just went out and learned like what we needed to get for the podcast and what um, we like where we need to put it up, like like how to set up a Libsyn account and all that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and then yeah, after after about a month, we were just like, all right, we're gonna start a podcast, and we start um, hitting up our friends to do it like other people in the Bay Air, <clears throat> in the Bay area that we knew, um, people that were coming through and we just like blasted out, um, invites to, to people who we wanted on the podcast and just kind of grew from there.
0: Yeah. If you guys, but you guys probably know, cause Sergio, he's, he's a hitter, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? They, they, you know, they got the talk about your podcast, man, because you guys like waiting to dry podcast talk about cause it's, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Fuck your shit, man. Yeah, art bull- art, art bull- <laughs> podcast.
1: So I think we went into it wanting to do an art podcast and be as not pretentious as we could be. <laughs> like we tried to just what our whole um, idea behind it was like we would always have these uh, great conversations with artist friends like out at gallery shows and stuff. And it was like we wanted a way to able to remember those conversations in a more concrete way mm-hmm. and it was just a thing like okay if, if we could share it kind of makes it a fun thing to to be able to like make a excuse me, make a um we weren't even thinking about like making a community out of everything like that right uh but it was more just like bring all the people that we know together in this way of just like oh you can come listen to this conversation we had with uh Either like your art friend that you already know, or somebody that you you wish you knew, or somebody maybe you don't know at, <coughs> don't know at all, and, and like you find out he's super interesting, like a like a Monty guy for for instance, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, like um, there are a lot of people um, early on that um, Josh knew just through hanging out around the scene, like Nate Van Dyke, that just like really took to um, the vibe of the show, where it's just a lot of just you know, talking shit, just trying to make people laugh, and also you know, talk about whatever, um, uh, whatever you want to v- uh, let off steam about in the art world, and mm-hmm. that's more or less kind of what it's evolved into. Is just us. Ne- well, now that like we almost never have guests anymore, it's been a while since we've had anybody on. Uh, it's just kind of us to. Um, having a friendship <laughs> recorded for everyone. It's kind of what, it, what it turned into. But, you know, it's like people, when when they first heard us on the podcast, they liked the chemistry of him and I talking to each other. Um, and we just knew what, what we wanted to get out of the podcast. And so um, guests kind of come and go, but the core is just like how him and I interact in the show and so it's kind of evolved in different ways like uh it took me a few months to get my soundboard and all that uh but that was like a a major thing for me (laughs) to get that because it's a fun way for me to be like involved in the show and like makes it um just gives it a a fun element to it like don't take this too seriously uh because you know you'll get hit with the with the um uh, what do you call it? I don't know. Like a want to talk some shit or something like yeah, one of those yeah the, the,
0: waiting to gra- the waiting to dry podcast tangent. <laughs> yeah, all that, exactly. Right? Yeah, all yeah. that shit. Yeah.
1: And yeah, that was fun. Man. Like making that into something too, like hiring some, some like, radio DJ guy on Fiverr to, to make drops for us.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. I said, yeah, it's, it, it's tight. Cause it has its own personality. Right. And you guys had, you know, I mean like you guys had Carl Dobsky on mm-hmm. that was, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that episode.
1: Yeah. It was fun. Cause like, uh, he let loose after a while, like it started off kind of serious and it, it's, it's all a pretty entertaining episode, but like it starts off in the beginning, um, with him, uh, really getting deep with Josh about like talking about like narrative and, and what his work means and what he's trying to do with it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then I hit him with some like soundboard drops. And he's like, Oh, you've had that the whole time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. let's, let's do, let's uh, uh change up the vibe of this whole thing. And it just got, Pretty funny from there. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Well, and you know, we haven't really talked about your work. We haven't like, and they're, they're, we've just been kind of going down the the Sergio Lopez, you know, <laughs> history books. But we haven't really <laughs> talked about, you know, specific paintings. We haven't even got to like the gouache painting yet because we're there's so much information. But we let's let's kind of take it one step at a time. Okay. So you guys. Now you guys, so you get the podcast going, Mm -hmm. you're cooking. Mm -hmm. Now, when did you, cause you guys are like what? Episode 106 or something.
1: Um, something like that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Something like that. 106, 107, somewhere in there.
0: So now, and then you have the mini episodes, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And those are, um, those are kind of evolved too. At first they were supposed to be like, three different segments where we do like where we take questions or or like just have a um something on our mind that we want to talk about and now it's kind of evolved more into like take a topic and really try and dissect it for like a half hour or so um but yeah uh those are a slightly different vibe than than um our normal episodes our, our longer two hour ones and uh those are ones where we maybe talk about more like, I don't know, technical stuff or like art business stuff.
0: Okay. So let's hit you with a, with an art and BS question. We got, <laughs> All right. we got to get you. So, uh, what's your philosophy when it comes to art?
1: My philosophy. Yeah, man. Um, for the most part, I'm just trying to create the most like beautiful paintings I can. Uh, and however, um, I want to try and, and, uh, uh, take that. It can go from anything from, from like a figurative painting to, to like all the landscapes that you see in here now. And, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, um, shifted a little bit, especially like we were talking about like the gouache paintings I've been doing. Those are more just like trying to do a painting without any sort of expectation to it. Cause, um, I don't know. I just found that like putting too, for myself personally, like putting too lofty of a goal, on on my paintings um kind of saps a little bit of the of the um i don't i wouldn't say like fun out of it because they're always like fun to do but
0: uh, do you feel like it it, uh makes it less spontaneous and more calculated because you have to get to a certain place that you're trying to get to
1: um no, I wouldn't say that. Um, because I do like, there's, there's two different modes I get into when I, when I'm painting, Uh, if it's like a a painting from life, it's more just about like painting what I see in like the best way I can. And when it's like a studio painting, I'm more calculating about that. And they both have their, their pros and cons of doing that. So it's more, um, it's more that I don't want to make, it too serious of a pursuit if that makes any sense like mm-hmm. um i feel like if i try to do uh like if i try to take on too much of um like a i don't know like a a meaningful painting, like a, a painting that's like it's it's a it's a studio painting so it has to be meaningful or something like that like, I, I kind of got a little bit tired of, of thinking of things in that way. Mm. So I've been kind of just doing these these uh, more spontaneous paintings to um, to kind of recapture just the fun of, of painting. Um, just painting what I see, painting from life, and just making it uh, be just a, a fun painting to, to look at. Like, I felt like uh, I was losing a little bit of what makes a painting enjoyable to look at for, for like uh, average person looking at art. Um, I felt like I was just getting too uh, in my head about certain things. So I just wanted to step out of my head about it.
0: Now, do you have a ritual <clears throat> when it comes to creating art?
1: Not really. No. <laughs> uh, I, th- my only ritual, it's not even a ritual, but uh, I feel like more just like trying to um, make Uh, going from zero to 100 as easy as I can. So that means just making my setup lighter or like easier to to, uh, pack and unpack or, you know, um, like my easel is just always there and out and it's usually pretty easy for me to just like put paint down on my palette and my um, everything's um, usually really at the ready so I can just like paint whenever I feel inspired to because a lot of times uh the one thing that keeps people from painting is just um getting up off your ass and getting to your easel and just starting cuz once you start it's super easy like if if you know how to paint uh all you need to do is just like get yourself motivated it's like exercise like once you like get into doing your your sets or whatever um uh you'll just keep going until you're tired it's just that start just getting into the the gym or whatever is kind of what uh, really uh, keeps people from, from really doing it a lot of times.
0: Yeah, and that, that's that's real. So can you talk about, I want to get back to this plain air joint because mm-hmm. you, we I haven't got a chance to talk this plain air talk yeah, in, yeah. in some episodes. So <laughs> we're we about to marinate over here on this side for a right, second. Uh, so can you talk about some essential items that you – probably need that you wouldn't think that you would need while going on a plane air mission
1: um let me think well let's see let's get the obvious out of the way (laughs) you need your easel you need um some sort of yeah if you need an easel or you know some sort of setup to put your your painting on like your box and tripod like uh, you use a tripod or or like just an easel Oh, you have a box right
0: I have a posthod box
1: yeah that's right okay um so yeah you need somewhere to to um, put your your paint on and your your canvas on um obviously you need, need your brushes and your paint and all that um one thing I like having is just like a little um uh like a, a fold-up little canvas bag mm-hmm. that I can put like my <coughs> Where I can keep like my dirty rags and stuff in, mm-hmm. and it's uh, uh it's kind of like just a little portable little, um, just a bag to just keep all your odds and ends in. Uh, let's see what else. Um, you need your palette cups for sure <laughs> to keep your mediums and your and your solvent in. Um, beyond that, um, you just need things to keep your own body kind of uh, safe from the elements a little bit like uh, you're, you got your water ball you need and your, your hat and all that um, but yeah, I I really so just try to keep it pretty simple. rocking with a ball
0: now? Nah, you hats, right? You rocking with a ball cap? You going with the three sixty boy? <laughs> what you what you doing?
1: Um, either one, depending on how I feel. Mm-hmm. The depending on what's easy. Yeah, sometimes whatever is easy to to find, yeah. <laughs> like whatever whatever I grab first, a lot of times. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, how do you feel too... about
0: polarized sunglasses?
1: Oh, I don't wear sunglasses when I paint. I think it it changes the the um. It changes your values too much when you're mm-hmm. looking at at your scene. Uh, it's, it actually, I would say the thing it messes up the most is like your paint on your palette. It kind of screws with your with your values and, mm-hmm. and your colors that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I don't paint with with glasses on.
0: Okay, yeah, I know. Uh, when Nigel came on, he said the Lip King uses like polarized sunglasses and flips them like back and forth. Oh really? I oh okay. workshops, yeah. Huh.
1: I wonder why he does that
0: because you get like the the fucking there's like a you know like in the sky you get those values oh okay you know what i'm saying like because when you look at clouds through polarized sunglasses Mm -hmm. you get like those bright pinks and then you can paint those in
1: yeah the sky looks um like more saturated and Mm -hmm. vibrant usually yeah Yeah. that's interesting um I don't I can't say I've ever tried that but I'm always up for experimenting yeah. so
0: <laughs> But that's the thing about you know artists like cooking. everybody makes their gumbo different right Exactly yeah You know what I'm saying you <laughs> might sear your shrimp
1: before <laughs> Yeah it yeah. just depends <laughs> Exactly yeah Uh yeah I really pretty much just try to keep my my um setup simple Oh um mm-hmm. uh, here's one thing that definitely is good to have uh like the um clamps can't have too many clamps <laughs> okay okay yeah see
0: but you gotta also remember Sergio like this audience our audience is a little different so when I asked you that question what I thought you was gonna say is like a knife toilet paper pepper oh. bear mace you know I mean you saying? could have all that you, stuff, you know because yeah. Sergio you gotta remember you the first cat on <laughs> they don't got no charges in like five or six episodes <laughs> okay you know I'm saying for real <laughs>
1: that's hilarious uh, it's facts. <laughs> yeah. uh I mean yeah all that stuff can be useful like uh, it, uh when I think of all that kind of stuff I'm thinking more like camping <laughs> yeah
0: yeah no 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 for sure but like I feel like you uh because for me like the razor blades to scrape my palate off yeah is, yeah oh yeah was, palate scraper yeah, yeah like so a, I mm-hmm. I use those you Yeah. Know, that's a good and uh, I was joking for sure. but <laughs> The thing is, is a Swiss army knife is uh-huh. great because if you're, um, if you're like drawing and you have like Stetler pencils and you don't have a utility knife, okay. you can use the Swiss army knife to sharpen your pencils. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. I don't normally, um, draw with a pencil on canvas. I usually just, I mean with... like in a black book. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I see. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other things like that. Um, Oh, uh, here's another one, uh, like a, a little plastic putty knife. It's really good mm. for making straight lines, uh, especially if you're like measuring angles or like drawing um, like a building or or anything, uh, any straight, like you need a sharp angle for anything like that. That's a good uh, little, little tip.
0: <laughs> so now do you have a certain schedule that you adhere to to balance like landscape painting still life painting figurative Mm. painting
1: not really um lately it's been a lot more focused on like the still life and and landscape um it just depends on on either uh how i'm feeling about what i want to create or a lot of times it's like gallery schedules like if i signed up to do a, a figurative show then I'm going to be focusing on figures for like the next like few months or so. Uh, and vice versa, if I'm doing landscape, a landscape show, then that's uh, what I'm going to focus on. And I like kind of going back and forth between um, all the different genres that I, that I go through. But um, yeah, it it's hard because sometimes I feel like I do, I, like I, my career might be better if I focused on one thing, for longer but i just feel um it it's too easy for me to to burn out if i do it that way like i just get too bored of the same thing too quickly and i don't know i don't know if that's to my detriment or not but that's just how i've always been i've been doing uh fine art full time for for 10 years now and that's just always how i've how i've handled it so um for better or worse that's yeah i, I don't really um adhere to like a really strict schedule in that way.
0: Now when you were when you have like let's say you have a show coming up. Mm-hmm. Whatever specific subject matter. Well no let's just how do you talk about how you would get ready for a show. What's your process in getting ready for an art show?
1: Um first I gather all the reference. Um whether that's like shooting a model or going out in the field and, and um and uh either doing plein air paintings or taking a lot of photos of the landscape. Uh, Yeah. Then I I bring it into uh, my computer and go into Photoshop and Lightroom and all the different Adobe tools and, and try and make the best reference out of it. And so um, by that point, I usually have a good idea of what I want and how I want to paint it, um, how I want the painting to look like and then i get all my supplies together i try to um, for the most part create like all my surfaces beforehand so mm. that it's just like by the time i get to to actually painting it's almost like a assembly line like yep. just um, get them all started and just build them up um, as i go and it's just like rotate them off and on and off the canvas or on and off the easel until they're all done and um I usually try and do uh, more reference than I um, need like <laughs> because there's like all the reference I actually take then all the ones that I pare down to a, a decent amount of um, of reference that I can potentially paint from then there's the ones that I, I go through and and pick the ones that I know for sure I want to try and do for the show and then, and then it gets down to like the the ones I actually get to finish for the show. So I always kind of overshoot the mark on purpose a little bit because I I just know that um, if I if I'm working at um, a certain pace, I know that I can um, get a certain amount of paintings accomplished, and if I know that I will have more paintings. Um, or if i know that i'm going to have less paintings done then i then i um then i know that i have to finish then it it kind of like relieves some pressure on me like say for example um the gallery is expecting like i don't know six paintings from me and i have set up A timeline to be able to do 10 paintings um i know for sure i'll like be able to do um those six paintings because i'll probably realistically get to eight of those 10 Mm. so it just makes it uh it it kind of makes less pressure on me in that way
0: okay okay
1: i don't know if that made a lot of sense yeah no <laughs>
0: no i i for me i totally it's funny because i just went and i got a bunch of uh shout outs to nigel and Martica for the dye bond my homies just gave me a bunch of dye bond nice. sheets yeah so you know i went and took the uh the the oil ground you know mm-hmm. gambling and then yeah. just sand it bah 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 you mm-hmm. know and then just hit two coats and then you know went and put the wash on you know Burnt sienna on some raw umber on yep. some van dyke on some you know <laughs> uh-huh. burnt or umber and then that way we have a, a an assortment yeah of panels so i can just bust them down so when i hear you talk that talk <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm with you you're preaching to the choir so <laughs> yeah, yeah i appreciate that so now like um so when you get the shows are you only working like if you have a landscape show are you only working on landscapes during that time frame or is there a time where you take a break and do something else
1: Um for the most part I'm working on that show uh just because it's usually so many other things uh art related or like art business related stuff that's happening at the same time all the time anyway So um there's only a certain amount of time I usually have to paint in a day. Uh, just, you know, everything except painting that gets in the way of, of painting. Um, so I know that I can't take on too much more than, than what's already like scheduled on, um, like in my schedule f- as far as painting goes. So I try not to do too much more, uh, or take on too much. Like I can sometimes be working on, um, two different shows like if i'm working on like a, a like a a small show that's maybe like four person show or something like that and then i might have like a, a group show painting that i need to do too so that so that's like uh that's the only other reason that i would like do like landscapes and like figures or something at the same time if i just have like two different completely separate shows that i'm working on
0: yeah it has to call for it I, yeah i dig it <laughs> Time. otherwise
1: i like to just like be in one specific mindset
0: <clears> mm, yeah i hear it stay focused
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: yeah that's real so moving on from that mm-hmm. um so la so how how did you get this studio how long have you had this studio here
1: um since two- um 2015 okay um I was just looking for more space, um, instead of working out of my, out of the spare room in my parents' house. So, um, I had a good year, um, in 2014. So I was like, you know what, time to, time to upgrade here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was just looking around and seeing what was available around here. And, and, uh, this turned out to be like the best deal. Um, at first I wasn't sure about this place cause the area it's kind of weird out here it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere and i thought that maybe i wanted to be in a place that was a little bit more um active i guess but um really all just the circumstances just came together and this turned out to be like uh the perfect spot for me here it's like it's a lot of space it's not that expensive and uh yeah it it um lets me do everything i want in here so it worked out perfectly and yeah i just been holding on to it for as long as I can
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. man it's dope it's like a it's a cutty little you know what i'm saying remind me of some old apartments and right just, yeah yeah you know like man yeah and then now it's just artists moved in and transformed it yeah it was stupid. actually a
1: an army barrack back in the day oh okay yeah.
0: okay <laughs> yeah so now do you make your own frames
1: no i don't i just buy them from wherever yeah
0: okay okay because I, I noticed you have an assortment
1: I do yeah air,
0: and I'm like all right you know as artists we're collectors uh-huh. of things you know right so I'm oh for sure and it's like okay you know there's different styles in there and I'm not like okay, yeah did he bust those down or yeah man
1: no they yeah they're all just like collected from from different places whether they're like from old paintings that um uh that get recycled or just buying them from uh different online stores so mm-hmm. yeah just wherever i could find them where wherever i get like the the best value as far as uh like a decent looking frame for not too expensive because i feel like most collectors um like if they're buying high-end paintings they usually want to just like take the frame off anyway or, or like put a different type of frame uh, on it so i don't worry too much about it as long as it looks good in the frame at the gallery that's what matters to me.
0: What's your worst fear as an artist?
1: Worst fear? That I just like completely stopped selling any art. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really been like the main struggle for me as a full-time fine artist is just like finding people to to buy uh, original paintings consistently. Like it's it's always up and down. It's probably always going to be up and down. Uh, but like when things, um, start to not be as, you know, lucrative as, as the month before, it's easy to go into like panic mode and think, Oh, I got to change things up or whatever. But, uh, yeah, that, that's like basically, um, working or like working out of a fear mindset in that way. So, uh, at, at least recognizing that fear is like knowing that, okay, is, is that, fear justified or not and you know it's usually not it's usually just you know it's riding the waves of of the art career but yeah like that's my honest answer it's just you know not being able to sell artwork anymore
0: Mm, that's real man that's a valid one Mm -hmm. you know what mine is what's that walking into a goodwill and seeing one of my paintings right there
1: oh really (laughs) why is that a fear
0: because it's just like i mean if your shit's at like someone (laughs) like it's at the goodwill someone gave it to goodwill
1: i see so
0: so that means someone bought the painting and then it got given to goodwill
1: i see but like what does that mean to you like uh it's like fuck dude (laughs) like like you think So the fear is like the fear is, uh, like your art isn't worth what you want it to be worth. No,
0: it's like you could gave it. You could gave it to like your auntie or your nephew or some shit. But it was just like, nah, we don't know. Like <laughs> nobody want cousin Ricky. Don't even want that.
1: Well, what if they gave it to cousin Ricky and cousin Ricky took it to Goodwill? Mm,
0: okay, okay, that's real. Yeah, maybe cousin Ricky didn't know he had that crack. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Okay, he that's didn't what's know up. what he had. In his, his possession. art and bullshit podcast you hear the man see Sergio we got Sergio man. we gotta <laughs> have him pull up all the time you know the vibes waiting the dry energy out here man listen it's real in the field right so yeah okay back to that art talk back to that art talk um so now talk about the last year because you had entered the the pet painting competition oh, uh-huh. you want to talk about that
1: uh yeah this was with the trickle pet portrait competition um it was um who was the the judge was um jennifer i think it's Gennari, uh, who's a really good um painter of animals She's, she
0: does like the dogs and like yeah. with like the really nice <laughs> brush strokes uh, yeah, yeah exactly yeah,
1: yeah. very uh like classical lighting port almost like classical portraiture but of of um pets bit, mainly pets and like a tiger here and there mm-hmm. but uh um, yeah,
0: them tigers is filthy <laughs> yeah
1: exactly um so yeah i just thought okay i'll, I'll why not <laughs> i'll mm-hmm. um the prize was like a thousand dollars worth of trackel art supplies so like you know if i get like third place it's still like a hundred dollars worth or whatever it's like ah, you know what? i'll i'll uh try it and then uh so i got um uh what i did was i was painting i was just trying to make uh, uh trying to promote pet portraits that i was doing just in just uh for my own like uh at the time i wasn't really selling much uh in galleries mm-hmm. so i was just putting myself out there like i'll paint your your pet <laughs> right and so i was just using that as an excuse to be like as a, an excuse to promote my my um idea of painting Getting like pet portrait commissions, so uh, what I did was I put out a little like um, um a little raffle for whoever um whoever shared my painting uh that I did of uh, a friend's pet um uh, I would randomly like draw their name and I would do a pet portrait for them for free, and then um so the painting or so the person who got the the painting and actually ended up coincidentally being a friend of mine and she gave me a bunch of, um, a reference of her, of her dog. And, uh, she gave me a lot of really cool reference to work from. And the one I picked, um, uh, had like a kind of a, a neat little like implied story to it. So I think that's what, what she gravitated toward the judge. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I just tried to do the best painting I could of of the subject matter. And then, yeah, it, it ended up winning first place. And when the first place winner gets to judge next year's competition, at least I think that's how they're going to keep doing it. So yeah, that's how I ended up being the judge this year. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool. I liked, uh, doing that judging process. It, it was hard. Cause like you go through like, um, like there's two thirds of them that, you know, aren't going to win. And then you just keep paring it down to like, just getting narrow, more and more narrow until it's like, the final 10 are like so hard to, to choose like what three out of these 10 are, are, are the best ones. So uh-huh. it just kind of ends up being like your own personal preference. I think that's at a certain point.
0: Mm. You heard it here. And hey, keep <laughs> it a thou man, but Hey, they gonna see, we give you guys the real. That's why you <laughs> come back. We sell you the sizzle and the steak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. So then, now like really the next next thing is they just need to they need to stop playing and give you a brush set uh,
1: yeah they're trying i hit them up to about be on the pro team and we'll see uh they're saying that uh i'm on the list now so we'll see
0: okay okay yeah that's what you did it. hey man we you guys see we're out here in important places with important people i told you <laughs> yeah. so yeah man so Sergio, what's next on the list? Like, what? Okay, so wait, nah, because we were that's like still f- far forward. Mm-hmm. So, uh, boom, you you um you win that, mm-hmm. and then like March pandemic hits, right? So yeah. then like, how did art change for you, and how have you been adjusting in the whole pandemic phase?
1: Um, for me, like one of the things that changed was um. Uh, going smaller basically like both um literally and figuratively mm-hmm. um so one like there was um a art group on facebook that i joined and they were just you know doing different little prompts on there and uh one of them was doing like uh uh a, a painting of food in uh in a me in a medium that you don't use a lot of or like it's nudie or whatever and uh I've been painting gouache here and there for a while. Um, but so I painted this, um, uh, this burger an in and out burger mm-hmm. and it really like took off on Instagram. Uh, a lot of people really liked it. And then, um, somebody, uh, bought it from me pretty quickly without me even like really trying to, Uh, put it out there for sale or anything like that. it sold itself yeah it sold itself (laughs) so then i started doing a few more food paintings like i did like a a pizza slice like a muffin and all this other stuff and and they started um selling there too and so there are these things that i was like well i'm probably not going to sell anything too big ticket right now without putting a lot of effort into it because you know um the pandemic had just hit everyone was out of work for a while nobody was really going back to work yet so i knew i had to keep things cheap and, and quick and you know it was it was also for me like a chance for me to build up my my just like uh my skills just like the base level of where i was at as far as painting goes because like uh if anyone's painted long enough they know like still lifes are like the quickest way to get better at painting because they're just like, you just put this thing in front of you and you just paint it like as best as you can. Uh, there's no, for the most part, there's no like trickery involved. Like there's, you can't like rely on a lot of flashy techniques for the most part. So it's just like honest painting. So um, it was that and just, you know, finding things that either, were interesting to me visually or meant something to me. So I just started doing those and I was just, uh, been doing them, um, pr- pretty, relatively, um, consistently since then. And, you know, it's, it's helped me just stay afloat cause, um, uh, I was working part time for, for a little while before that. And then, um, that kind of just replaced the, the income cause, um, I couldn't go back to work. Uh, but I could um, paint these little things and just try and sell them to whoever uh, would buy them. And if I strung enough of those sales together, then it, it would be, uh, pretty much be the same amount of money that I was making just working part time. And it's just like, okay, well might as well do this This is making me a better artist and it's making me money. And it's uh, uh, kind of like in a weird way, a little bit fulfilling. <laughs> so it's was like, Hey, just keep going down this lane, see what happens with it. And, um, yeah, it's kind of just evolved, um, from there. Like I was doing a lot of, um, gouache paintings in my sketchbooks of like landscapes. So now recently I've been doing more, um, gouache studies for, for larger paint, uh, studio paintings, doing landscapes and stuff like that. And, um, it, yeah, I'm just always like evolving like the next thing just, not trying to force anything to happen, really, just going with whatever feels good in the moment. And uh, yeah, that's it's just how I've been um, dealing with the pandemic right now because it's, it's stressful in ways like everybody knew it was stressful in the beginning, but you know, it's like month, you know, month seven or whatever at this point. And uh, it doesn't seem like there's any end to it in sight, really. People are just um, carrying on as as normally as they can, but you know, it's always still looming above everybody. And then, uh, with the fires recently around here, they, they're, they're hitting pretty close to home here in, in Sonoma County. So, um, all the like outside world stresses, if you're not careful with that, it can really get to you and, and fuck with your artistic production. So keeping things low key like that for me, has just been like a way for me not to, you know, get overwhelmed by anything so that's kind of how i how i've approached it just uh trying to use it almost as like a stress relief for me for now
0: i hear it i hear it yeah it's it's definitely and i hadn't really considered that you were ground zero for yeah. the fires man
1: <laughs> yeah it's just a uh, couple miles uh, east from here yeah. mm-hmm.
0: so now you know in the Central Valley, we had like mm-hmm. ash and the haze. Okay, it, it got to like.
1: Were there any actual fires nearby?
0: Uh, I think in like Millerton or Shaver or something like that up okay. there, like which is, <clears throat> uh, it's probably like forty-five minutes from Fresno.
1: Okay, so is it, that it, like it up in the foothills? It, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So like north and shit, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it didn't hit us, but we just got that that air quality. So yeah. now was it, could you see out here? How was it?
1: Oh, there were days where it was like apocalyptic. Like it looked like, you know, like Blade Runner, like the orange skies and all that. There were days where it was super smoky, but you could still see some blue skies. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, from here, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, there were fires um, just in Napa and Sonoma and you could actually like see the glow of the flames from here. And that's always scary when you're able to see that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the air quality has been... It's only recently that we've had like decent air up here again. But yeah, uh, pretty much almost all of late summer has been like shitty air quality. Yeah, it's been tough to be outdoors because so I love being outdoors in the summer and the going out plein air painting and all that. But you just have to like weigh that against like, uh, the wrist to your lungs or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. So now when you're making a studio painting, do you do like the poster, like, and like do like the thumbnail, the poster painting, like do you do all, um, all of those steps or can you talk about your, your, uh, strategies to, to making studio paintings now?
1: Um, not always. Um, I don't always do thumbnails. I've been doing that more lately, um, just because it's. I've noticed like the advantage of doing that. If you do like a little color study first, and you really like that color study, you can really use that to um, base your color on, rather than just relying on the photo, which is never going to have like as good a color as you want it. Like uh, in order to make uh, the photo look really good. It's almost as much work as like just painting the painting. So, uh, but if you can just do a little, you know, f- um, two by three inch color thumbnail that, that looks good. You can use that for the basis of how you're going to paint your painting on the easel. So I know that's, that's something that I learned way back in, in art school in uh, I didn't always follow it, but yeah, just recently been more getting back into, to doing it that way. And it's kind of fun just to have like a sketchbook full of, of little color studies too, especially if you make them look good. So, uh, it's fun to share those and people like them and maybe you could sell them too as well. So it's just a little extra. It doesn't take that much more time. It's like an extra half hour of your time and you know, the potential or like the, the benefits of doing that. It's just so much more than than that little bit of extra time that you spend on doing that. So something I definitely recommend people if you if you don't do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I remember. Uh, <laughs> I remember there was this time I was looking at your website and you had these um, you had these plain air paintings on there, uh-huh. and I was like, you know, I was looking at your pricing. <laughs> And I said, man, you know, you price an XYZ, mm-hmm. and that's like three times what I can get. Like, yo, right. <laughs> and you was like, yeah, man, you were like, everybody has a different capacity to sell.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's true, though. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, there are people selling their plein air landscapes for way more than I am and more consistently, but. Yeah, that's kind of why I started doing the paint drip stuff, because they're all under a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, they uh, I feel like that's way easier for most people to afford if they if they really like the painting, they're just going to buy it, yeah. So. Yeah,
0: man, no, that, that is true, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, some people was just like, yo, like, let me get that. Yeah. Figure out the price, James. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, so definitely that's that's he doesn't just that interaction was hilarious to me so it's just like i hold it like yeah that's real like that's what's <laughs> up we're here you know what i'm saying but at the same time it's true and then i i also feel like the 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 because that's like everybody has a different capacity to sell the way i also look at it is like i can like we can both be on the block and mm-hmm. like if if you might have a better corner than me, mm-hmm. you know, but, or no, 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 no. Let, let's, let's just, let's, let's flip it. You might have better work than me, mm-hmm. but if I'm, if I had a better corner than you, right? or if I, if I'm given three for 10, mm-hmm. I can still, it, it, there's, there's always a way to hustle. There's right. like, see, yeah, that's exactly. the thing about it. So it's like, capacity can be flipped in different ways to like yeah, mitigate yeah. like market space mm-hmm. or market share. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because for me, skills
1: is only one part of the, the, um, equation as far mm-hmm. as selling goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause it definitely, but it, I think that it like inventory mm-hmm. and like, yeah, uh, performance and you know, having as my homies say chops, Yeah, you know, you gotta <laughs> have them chops. Yeah. You know, yeah, man. So yeah, if we-
1: you're more of a go-getter than me, like if we're both, I mean, like say we're both doing a plein air event together. Like I'm super shy, so I'm not like outgoing, like trying to talk to everybody. But you're more like going to be like, you know, like I came all the way out here and now I got my work to sell. I don't want to take all this home. So you might be more motivated to, to really like get your, your work off the wall. So you'll, you might outsell me even if... um other people i don't know like you know what i'm saying like yeah it, you know. i
0: need to go to a plain air event. is what you're saying <laughs> that's yeah. what you're saying I'm like oh, <laughs> yeah. okay yeah i'm picking up what you're putting down big <laughs> homie let's get it
1: yeah <laughs>
0: yeah man why not yeah you know yeah 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 <laughs> so now what would you say like if someone is is looking to get getting into uh plain air painting what would you say are some easy ways that aren't super intimidating
1: um you mean like getting into events or just the the act of painting Yeah, just into the act of it oh okay um i mean there's a lot of tutorials online on on how to how to start plein air painting i mean that that's actually like not to like make this like a pitch for myself but like i'm working on a course like specifically on how like get people like to a decent level of painting like in an hour because like I, most of my like small plein air paintings, I do like in an hour and an hour and a half and I've done it for so long. Like I have a pretty good, uh, well-set method on how to do that. So like, uh, one of the things I'm working on is just like trying to teach how to do that. And so, um, but you know, there's so many resources online on how to do that now that, uh, like even if, uh, even if my method doesn't work for somebody, like there's, so many people out there teaching it like uh you can find like classes online for like 25 bucks or something you probably But Uh, you should save your
0: money and just buy (laughs) Sergio's thing. That's what you should
1: do. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Buy his course. So
0: so that's what you're going to do, y'all. Hold tight. Get Sergio's course. He's going to give us an exclusive coupon code. (laughs) That way you can save Womp Womp, use Art and BS at checkout. And then we go, yeah, man, we here.
1: This is how we build. We all going
0: to eat. You know what I'm saying? That's how we keep podcast money all up in the family. (laughs) Exactly,
1: yeah but uh no for real like um really it's just about um learning how to simplify your process mm-hmm. um don't go out there and think that you're just going to paint like the most realistic paintings or whatever or whatever your goal is uh, it takes uh steps to build up like just learn how to make like a a good start to the painting and that's just like um squinting at your shapes and like looking at the the overall big picture of things and just copying the big overall shapes that's like the the first part of of my method anyways it's like making a really quick simple drawing with your paint and then just filling in those those shapes with color uh, uh but yeah like you can find people who who do just that stage really well mm-hmm. and they're really good at it Uh, and you can like uh, just be amazed at um, how well people can just make that first initial um, block in stage of the painting and like if you just get good at that like just do um, like uh, if you have an hour to spare just do like three 20-minute paintings a day and see how uh, it doesn't even have to be like plain air you could just like paint like still lifes in your studio but just doing those quick studies it's just brush mileage putting in that that work the um going to the gym (laughs) like getting the reps in getting the reps in yeah Yeah.
0: man Uh, one of the homies was like man speed through repetition
1: yeah exactly yeah i mean that's basically how how i learned to to paint fast was just doing it enough times i just got i don't i know where not to waste time anymore that's basically what it is Mm.
0: You guys heard it, man. <laughs> you know I'm saying Sergio Lopez. He came in. He ain't. He ain't for the play. Play, you guys. This man is well respected and highly connected. You know, for real. We out here. So Sergio, um, we're 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 entering the tail end of the joint. I know mm-hmm. you're a busy man. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Mm-hmm. So now, um, where can they catch you, like online? Because I know you got you got tentacles on the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, my website, themainloop.com, has the links to everything right now. But um, I'm most active on Instagram, on um, Sergio Lopez Fine Art. But I also have um, Sergio Lopez Landscapes. Um, and, you know, it's easy to find everything from there. I have, I'm have i on Facebook. Just look, look up my name on there. And that's the main areas that you can find me at. But, yeah. Uh, website has, uh, most of the links. So that's the easiest place to find things. If, if you just want to like go see what I'm doing real quick, like what I'm up to lately, then just go to Instagram, Sergio Lopez, fine art, and just go from there.
0: Mm. So really quick, I <laughs> want to ask you another question. How important is telling a story in your paintings?
1: Um, I resisted it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, i felt like the the image was the only thing that was important to the painting and like i was um i based a lot of paintings on that uh but lately as i've been doing more of like of the paint drip stuff the the little gouache paints it's always it always seems to be for me uh not only like more interesting for me to put a context to the little paintings but I think other people appreciate seeing uh reading a little bit of something about it um even if it doesn't really if, even if the story itself doesn't connect with them I think that people can at least understand a little bit more of where I'm coming from and I think if you string together enough of those little blurbs of, of story you kind of get a sense of who I am So like, I'm not so much into storytelling through the paint or through the paintings themselves, but I have been getting a little bit more into like putting a context around the paintings, uh, because I mean, these days it's an Instagram world. So like, that's where most people are going to see your paintings first. So, uh, Instagram gives you the, the, um, the opportunity to write a caption and a pretty long caption if you really want. But yeah, it, um, it's almost like they're inviting you to put more context to your paintings and, um, some people are going to resist that. Uh, and some people are going to embrace it and, you know, it, it, it took me a long time to not be so private about, um, I guess what I'm trying to say through my paintings Like, I still don't feel like I'm really trying to say a lot through the paintings themselves, but I'm more um, good about putting myself out, putting, like, my little world out there, uh, using paintings as a way to, like, get people to, to, like, pay attention to what I'm doing. Like, still, the paintings, like, how good the paintings look will probably always be the number one thing for me, but... Um, I think uh, this year, putting a little bit more emphasis on story has been a bit of a shift for me. And so I'll see where it goes from there. But yeah, um, it's definitely been something that I haven't really paid enough attention to. Um, I think I was just more resistant to it being, um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's like my own introversion um, coming through in that way. So just like changing my attitude about all that. Um, it, so yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe in a year I'll have a different answer for you for mm-hmm. that, but that's just how I'm feeling right now in the moment.
0: Right. Okay. So, um, last question before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you say, um, yeah man okay last okay see i i had two questions and after right. way fuck we just gonna ha- we we just gonna hit you hit, hit you with both, both of them that. right yeah. right yeah let's go man i'm out of coffee you guys know that's when it's serious because usually sergio i have the coffee maker you know oh man, okay we, i see we we getting it so okay so essentially i wanted to ask like do you think that okay how has doing a podcast changed your artwork or your mm-hmm. approach to, or just like, yeah, like, because it seems like now you would be in close. You have a, a relationship mm-hmm. with someone, right. That you yeah. see. And then you guys, has, has that affected your art at all? Uh,
1: those are both two different questions. Mm-hmm. And those oh, are the last two. Okay. No,
0: that was actually just one question. <laughs> I'm kidding. But go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Answer uh, it to the best of your ability. <laughs> all
1: right. Yeah. So, um, uh yeah, doing the podcast definitely um has helped um evolve my ideas as far as uh art goes. Like um uh, hearing other people like what motivates them to do art, especially if they have like a cr- really clear vision of what they're trying to do with their art, uh really makes me kind of consider what I'm trying to do with my art. So that's definitely made me think a lot about like my intentions, um, behind what I'm doing with my art. So, uh, it's all, you know, I mean, you do a podcast, so you know that when you expose yourself to all these different ideas, it just makes your brain start to evolve on its own just by like thinking about the ideas in your head and like deciding what's valid and what's not like, like every conversation is pretty valid and it doesn't mean you're going to take everything that the person in front of you says to heart. Like it's not going to necessarily change how you, um, how you work like right away, but seeds get planted and you're just like, Oh, okay. And like, uh, if you go back, um, to a conversation you had like a year ago that you remember impacted you then you can always go back and listen to it and be like, oh yeah, that still makes sense to me or like now, or even like now I'm more ready to take in whatever lesson that this person was trying to teach me back then. Um, so it's like, I don't know. It, it just kind of, I guess helps you, um, move things along. Um, as far as like, if you're real, if you're, if the goal of your podcast is to, um, talk with people and get new ideas from them, um, there's, it's just going to help your art uh, evolve because you're just getting all this constant new stimulation of new ideas that um, are just going to filter into your brain, both consciously and subconsciously. So um, I felt like that's definitely been something that uh, seeing how other people think about their art and contrasting that from mine has definitely made me um, want to evolve my my work more. It kind of it uh, relates a little bit to like the story kind of thing that uh, we were talking about just now. Uh, it I could see now like how important having something interesting to say to your about your art will be because uh, it's just the proof is that you end up uh, with artists who who are able to talk about their art in a meaningful way. Um, it makes you like their art more. Like Mm -hmm, it's just no, there's no getting around that. (laughs) It always happens in that way. So, um, so that's been really cool. Like it's made, it's both made, uh, I think me a better artist in subtle ways, but it's made me a better, I guess, art appreciator of of my peers in that way.
0: Right. Okay. I hear it.
1: uh, And then, yeah, my relationship, that's definitely, um, uh, made me think about my art in different ways. Like, uh, her and I have definitely had like different talks about like the intentions behind, um, some of my art, especially like my early art and, you know, talking about things like, like beauty with her and, you know, thinking about like, um, painting, especially painting, uh, women like painting nudes, like what, why do that? Like what's the idea behind it? Um, and she's kind of challenged me a lot of different ways on like thinking about it. And I don't know. That's like a whole, whole big thing. I don't know if it's way too, too much to get into. That might
0: have to be the bonus segment, (laughs) man. Listen, (laughs) yo, come back for that one. Y'all, you know what I'm saying?
1: Man. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, just things like that, and then also um, because she's um, relatively new to painting uh, and and brand new to like plein air painting and, and painting from life, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's been fun trying to like teach her my own like ways of painting, um, seeing her evolve as as a painter in these like it's it's kind of fun when I see her like make little jumps in her um, own artwork. So that's been fun to. To uh, take on somewhat of a of a teacher role in that way, uh, it's never like anything forced. Like I'm never like trying to like tell her what to paint or how, but like I'm always there to to give her advice whenever she asks me, as far as that goes. So uh, yeah, it's been pretty cool that way. Uh, it's been interesting in 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 that way.
0: Yeah. Now, have you learned from like I, I guess you said there's been some, you know, some ways that you kind of looked at your own art and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, uh, well, and, and it's a trip because teaching you're always learning, right? Like when yeah. you teach, right, right, right. So do you think that, uh, you can, is there is teaching outside of the, the course that you're putting together? Is that something that you're looking to get into in the future?
1: You know, I'm not sure yet. Um, I am doing just, I think for now, I'm just trying to keep it on just because, um, uh, in person teaching isn't something that I'm like super into right now. Uh, it's not like, or I should say, it's not really like the goal for me right now. Um, uh, I think that online teaching for me is a good speed. Um, so I'm not really trying to make the focus of my career teaching either. So I, Mm -hmm. I gotta be like careful not to like put too much effort into it and it'll take me away from what I really want to do as an artist. Yeah. So yeah, right now it's just kind of, kind of looking at it as like a supplemental thing. Got you, got you.
0: Okay, man, it's, it, it, it's a trip that. You have enough foresight to be like, yep, nope, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not like that's that. I see what that's leading into, you know, and this particular avenue for teaching allows me to not bite off more than I can chew. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of times as artists, our eyes are bigger than our stomach.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, yeah, we're going to wrap this joint up, Sergio, man. I appreciate you (laughs) having us. At yeah. your wonderful studio.
1: <laughs> I appreciate you coming out here.
0: Okay, definitely.
1: long journey out here. <laughs> yeah, man.
0: Okay, so we appreciate you guys. You could be anywhere on the internet, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. Once again, this is some shit I just thought of y'all. Scientific fiction that's not admissible in no court of law. Catch <laughs> us again. Same BS time. Same BS channel. James Drills over and out. I'm out of here like Vladimir. Our art and bullshit podcast.